We return this morning to Matthew chapter 6 in the Manifesto of the Messiah at verse 25. Matthew 6 and 25. Good is the theme of this day, literally, good is the theme of this day, and I did not choose it. I quite, am quite sure that uh, the music we sang this morning was printed off on a page of schedule and in my hands by the 1st of May. Russell picks out the songs, Bill picks out the songs for months in advance. They get them to the gals, they print them out, they give them to us all. I seldom look at the schedule until the week of. And this week my thought was when I looked at the song we just finished singing by Horatio, Horatio Spafford, written in the aftermath of the Titanic. How significant that we would sing God's perspective after the sub-people bit the dust in their arrogance and attempt to revisit the Titanic recently in our noon. And then I got thinking about the fact that uh, so many people in the context of our engagement these weeks are enjoying something of a little bit of a break. Some are back from vacation, some have been on vacation, some are going on vacation. And there's a lot of talk that is good talk. And I just can't help but think that God is good as he brings us to not a text and not two texts, but as he brings us to an entire day where the theme of the day is good. He chose it, not me. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life, more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, this morning we come to a familiar text, and yet familiar oftentimes in a way that is devoid and detached from its context within Messiah's manifesto for kingdom citizens living between the two advents, anticipating as they pray, thy kingdom come. And so help us this morning, as we dive back into it, to have eyes that are opened by the Spirit of God to the Word of God in our hands, and hearts that are uniquely tenderized by thy Spirit to receive the truth of Christ today for the benefit of our souls, regardless of the age and the stage of our faith. Thank you for each one that is here. We ask your blessing upon us this morning, for we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Ethics is the study of values and duties. It has to do with the ideal sense of human character, actions, and ends. Ethics seeks to identify what a person ought to do or refrain from doing, what attitudes and behavior should be considered good. When King Jesus speaks of the eternal ethic that makes for peace and contentment, he speaks of that eternal ethic as being in opposition to earthly circumstance. Eternal ethic operates in contrast to earthly circumstance. We will hear in this section of the Messianic Manifesto the value system of heaven that is to be practiced on earth. God's children do not often understand the basics of the Heavenly Father's value system. Jesus, in this extended section, is teaching uh, the demand and the wisdom of heavenly investment. Investing your life according to what God deems truly valuable is wise, eternally wise. And as we'll say tonight in Ecclesiastics, most people live otherwise. But here Jesus is speaking of that which is eternally wise. The person who treasures up treasures in heaven, verse 20, never takes a security risk. There is no possibility of lacking security when a person devotes their life with eternity's values in view. Treasuring up treasures in heaven 
is something you can do and I can do as a believer that will never be involving a, a security risk. Verse 20, our heavenly homeland is secure. People who see the opportunity of life investment in the market of heaven understand that they cannot serve two gods. 24, verse 24, fearing the Lord God of heaven is wisdom begun. Serving the Lord God of heaven is wisdom confirmed. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, verse 33, means that we identify and involve ourselves in what God is doing in the kind of righteousness that he possesses and that he provides. Therefore, verse 25, therefore, the heavenly investor is commanded not to worry not to allow their soul to remain in a posture of angst about earthly goods or about earthly opinions or about earthly concerns. And you have that, uh, that concept of don't worry or don't be anxious in the text three times. Verse 25, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Verse 31, therefore, take no thought. Verse 34, therefore, or take therefore no thought. Now, this is not just wishful thinking, uh, like the song that I remember from a few years ago uh, that was uh, popular on the charts, Don't Worry, Be Happy. This is much more than the Lord saying, Don't Worry, Be Happy. There is a logical imperative here, Don't Worry, that is coupled by a, uh, a reasoned uh, uh, element of foundation uh, that is all predicated upon the greatness and the goodness of God. Ultimately, this morning, we're going to see five of the reasons why God's children need not live worrisome lives. That's where we'll be in a moment, but i got to help you get there. Uh, you have here a logical imperative, don't worry, that is predicated upon a five-fold reasonable foundation, all predicated upon the greatness and the goodness of God, exactly as we saw it last Wednesday night in the midweek hour. The continuity and flow uh, right now is really quite staggering if you uh, have been a part and are a part of it. Uh, let me just uh, uh, give you the theological uh, approach to this passage before we follow the words of Christ and his presentation of this thing. Let me give you the theological language. You ready? Uh, God is almighty and all wise. Therefore, God does not worry ever. One more time. God is almighty. God is all wise. Therefore, God does not worry ever. God is likewise everywhere present and good. Therefore, his children must not worry. God is almighty and wise, so he don't worry. 
God is everywhere present and good, so we must not worry. That's the theological approach to the text. And for the three of you that are really heady, I'll restate that. Omnipotence and omniscience underlay the fact that God does not worry. Omnipresence and omnibenevolence underlie or underlay the fact that his children must not worry. Therefore, worry is one of the believer's most common and egregious sins. And because of that, I am not preaching to you today uh, from a raised platform, from a position of superiority. I am preaching to you today as your brother who still oftentimes grapple with the reality of angst. If I talked about the sin of lying, a number of you could relate to that. If I talked about the sin of lust, a number of you could relate to that. If I talk about the sin of worry, almost everybody in this room can relate to that. And if you can't, you probably should. Because most of the people who don't worry, don't worry wrongly. Or don't worry rightly. And by that I simply mean that there are people that by personality are just K-free, K-sara-sara, Doris Day kind of stuff. And as a result of that, they don't worry about anything. But it isn't because they're looking to God. It isn't because they're trusting in God. It isn't because they believe that God is in control. And so I'm telling you, I can't think of a more practical message for the Lord Jesus to give to us on this holiday week ahead than this five-fold reasoned reality of goodness and God upon which you and I are bidden not to worry, not to be filled with angst. King Jesus says three times to kingdom citizens in this record, do not worry. Verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. The world's value system involves and revolves around eating, drinking, and dress. And as of last night in Elto, eating, drinking, dress, and fireworks. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so King Jesus talks about the two options for your life and mine. A life of devouring and drinking and dress. Or a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the option, or those are the options. Worry, according to Jesus, worry, according to Jesus in this text, belongs to the world's system, distinguished by insecurity and the temper. God's value system is secure and eternal. And so if you were walking in the door today and I said, are you God's or do you belong to God? Most of you would say yes. 
And then if I said to you, do you ever worry? Most of you would say, uh, 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 yes. And so what you tell me and what I tell you in that answer is we have a sense of the fact that we have relationship with God that is eternal and secure, but we often live like we're insecure and earthly. Or to say it otherwise, we talk God, we live in the world. And that's a problem. It's a problem to the honor of God. It's a problem to the worship of God. It's a problem uh, uh, to the gospel. The world says you cannot take it with you. Jesus says you actually can. All that we do counts and counts forever. Right now counts forever. There was a whole ministry called Ligonier that was launched off that one phrase. Right now counts forever. The threefold command, don't worry, is assigned to a distinctive life of investment in a follower of Christ. Worry is a part of the worldling life, according to verse 32, for after all these things do the pagans, the Gentiles, seek. If unregenerate people don't worry, they have nothing else to do. People's sense of insecurity and temporality drives them to Wall Street, drives them to cable news, drives them to the CDC, drives them to the United Nations, and only by our prayers does their insecurity drive them to opportunity with God. You and I can use the worries of the neighbor, can use the worries of the man on the street in order to pray for opportunity with God. But worry is a part of the world system. And the world has an elaborate system, elaborate uh, economic system to try to alleviate people's worries. And nothing about worry relates to the system of security and eternality that is true of God and his people. And so the Lord asks five questions, and they're printed in your bulletin for you, uh, five questions to his followers that must be answered by each and every generation in the Lord's church. Question one, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The significance of human life is therein, therein underscored. Question number two, are you not more valuable than birds? The value of human life is therein underscored. Does worry help you gain height or length? The futility of anxious thinking is therein uh, exposed. Verse four, or Number four, uh, why do you worry about earthly things? The priority of eternal things is brought to bear. And then fifthly, will God forget to care for you if you obey him? Uh, the faith that pleases God is brought to bear. Those five questions 
will be the pursuit of our brief time in the text this morning. Let's get after it one by one. Number one, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't there more to you? Isn't there more to you than what you eat? I know the old dietary thing, you are what you eat. Is that true? No, that's not true. Uh, you are not also what you wear. Uh, one of the benefits of, of my week this past week is that I, I, wore, I wore one of these uh, neck chokers on uh, Wednesday uh, at the midweek hour, and I didn't wear a neck choker on Thursday, and I didn't wear a neck choker on Friday, and I didn't wear a neck choker on Saturday. I never wore another neck choker until I got here. Uh, I got ready to come here this morning. I've been with my family. We were up in northern Michigan for a few days. We had a blast finding rocks. I got new fossils for all the kids in the church. Had a wonderful time together, but I'm just telling you that uh, the body's more than a neck choker. The preacher's more than a neck choker. You're more than a, than a suit coat. You're more than a dress. You're more than a pair of pants. I'm glad you wore them today, but you're more than that. You're more than that. You all know that. You all know that you're more than your clothes. You're more than what you eat. The earth was a perfectly safe place for the Lord Jesus as he sought the interest of the Father's business. The earth is a safe place for us as well in Jesus as we pursue the will of God. This is not a dangerous place for me in the will of God. Earth is not a dangerous place for you in the will of God. Any more than it was a dangerous place for Jesus in the will of God. You say, yeah, but Jesus got killed. Right, that was the will of God. Remember it was not a dangerous place for Jesus. It cannot be a dangerous place for you and me. Life is more than the body. Life is more than what you eat, what you wear. Uh, Dallas Willard says, we must be prepared as believers to be treated on this earth as more or less crazy. Unless we value on earth as supreme what people value on earth as supreme. But Jesus told the great adversary that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words anxious and worry both have the root idea of being choked or strangled. If our minds are occupied with things of God, we will not so often feel the circumstances of life are choking us. Have you ever felt like life had you by the throat? Jesus said, you don't have to live that way as a believer. You can look to the Lord, God, and live, as it were, uh, differently. I thought about preaching 25 and 26 is a separate message. The outline was a little more fun 
but it wasn't quite as true to the whole of the passage, so I decided not to do it. But let me just give you the outline. 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet, what, uh, uh, yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Uh, is not life more than meat, food, and the body more than raiment? And then 26, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your fa heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? I'm going to make that second point here in just a moment. But let me give you my little fun outline for 24 and, or 25 and 26. A believer Bart is, uh, is greater in God's mind than a burger. Bart over burger. Life over food. Bart over burger. Furthermore, Bart over Billy Bong. Billy Bong is a name brand of clothing. And uh, uh, the body is more important than dress, clothing, said Jesus. So not only is Bart over a burger, but Bart is over Billy Bong. He's over a, a dress line. He's over, or he's over a dress. And then uh, Bart over birds is the logic. So the logic of Jesus here in 25 and 26 uh, with these questions uh, interlaced, uh, the, the emphasis of Jesus here is, is almost funny. Uh, he's saying that Believer Bart is more important than burgers. Believer Bart is more important than Billy Bong. Believer Bart is more important than birds. And if you're a believer, he's talking about you. And on that basis of logic then, number two, are you not more valuable than burgers, Billy Bong, and birds? Answer, of course you are. And of course, the logic here then runs, God cares for birds. His amazing creative design reflected still in this sinful world is the point of our Lord's emphasis here. God cares for birds. Now, some of the Eastern mystics would answer the question, are you not more valuable than birds? They would answer it, no. The Eastern mystic, the pantheist, would answer the question, birds and Bill, birds and Bart, Bill, birds and Bob, they're all the same. But you know what the Bible says. It says Bart over birds, Bill over birds, Bob over birds, Bill over bear, birds, Bart over birds, people over birds. That's what the Bible says. And I might say to Bill Mosh, you're for the birds. But he's not for the birds in the sense that He's not more important than the birds, and neither are you. You might see a dead sparrow in the front grill of a funeral hearse, but you will never see it in a coffin headed out to be interred at Sunset Hills. Even this goofy world knows people are more important than birds. And Jesus uses that kind of logic and the caring of God for sparrows and hawks and cockatoos uh, uh, in order to remind us that he ultimately cares for his beloved son, capital S, and his sons who believe on his name. Number three, does worry help you gain height or 
Lane. Uh, Ethan, blue shirt down here, row number three. Ethan is now the tallest member of our Teal clan, both in Florida, Ohio, and Michigan. Uh, he, uh, I think it's his hair, to tell you the truth, but nonetheless, he's got this thing on the top. He, he went to the same barber as Ben Moss, and, uh, and as a result of that, uh, they got this shake a little thing going on the top of the head. But nonetheless, uh, Ethan is now the tallest uh, member of the family, and I'm sure that he's happy that he's taller than his brother, and especially happy that he's taller than his dad. And of course, no big deal to be taller than Grandpa, because I'm shrinking. But nonetheless, he's the tallest member of our family. But you know, it's amazing. As tall as he is, he wants to be taller. He talks of being taller. We talk of him being tall. Number two is in Ohio. His name is Ezra. And he uh, he's, uh, would be the best competition to Ethan, but uh, has no uh, great chance of key, uh, catching Ethan unless he has a really late, late growth spurt. And that'd be like me having a growth spurt. Uh, in that direction. No, that ain't happening. Uh, Ethan may even be taller. But here's what Jesus said. Can you just think about being taller and then you become taller? Isn't that the whole goofiness of the superheroes and the Avengers and all that kind of Hollywood crap? Isn't that what that's all about? Oh, I got an arm that goes way out there and I got a nose that goes well there and I can do all these fantastic things and I help people of course until I don't help people and then I get bad and then I get good and then I get bad and you watch that stuff until man it just gets to be gag me with a spoon it's so much better just to think about life as Jesus presents it does worry help you gain height or length no the word stature in the verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add a cubit, one cubit, 18 inches from the elbow to the tip of the finger? Uh, how much can you, uh, by thinking, can you add one cubit onto his stature or its length? It likely in this context means both. Making the point that worry doesn't help a believer at all because God helps the believer. Next question, verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Why do we worry about things that are earthly? Again, God's creative design is brought to bear. Lilies do not work to look good. But they do by God's design. Even Solomon's wisdom and wealth couldn't make a thing of greater beauty than the simple radiance of a flowering plant in an open field of grass. God makes things of beauty even where no human eye can behold them or in fields that are to be cut down for horse feed or in fields whose grain is to be harvested and made 
into bread. God not only knows what is really beautiful, but God, not the world, has set the standard for beauty. We studied already in Ecclesiastes, God makes all things beautiful in his time. You can fix your face before coming to the services this morning, but if your life is marred and the spirit of discontent rages within you, believe me when I say you're ugly. I pray that each of you would come to know the beauty of you in God's design. The beauty of you in God's design. Let me back up to that bird thing a minute. Have you ever thought about the fact that God takes care of birds? And that how God takes care of birds? God doesn't take care of birds by, by uh, having these huge seed-filled feeders placed in backyards all over America for birds to come to and get food so that they get lazy and, uh, and die early. Uh, no, God has the food for birds spread all over the place, and he creates birds so that they have an interest to find it. Very interesting, this last spring, there was danger of bird flu for birds, killing birds, and they specifically asked people not to put seeds in their feeder because when you have a feeder in your backyard, all the birds come to the feeder and they share their germs, their bird germs, and then everybody gets sick. And in spite of the government's best efforts, we have not yet created a goofy mask for birds. God takes care of birds. God takes care of per people. Do you know how God takes care of preachers? Do you know how God takes care of birds? Do uh, you know how God takes care of people? He creates these great big huge warehouses, and once a week, Sherry and I drive to God's warehouse, open up the doors, we just take everything we can get in our car, we take it home, we use as much as we can, the rest we throw out for the birds, and then we, no. You work. God made you to work. God made you to earn. God established the system. God established what is right. It is not established in the world we live. And just because the world in which we live is all messed up because of sin doesn't mean we have to follow that world in every detail. Though we live in it, we know we are not of it, and we know we've got the truth for it. And that truth will be enhanced as we live the way that God has ordained us to live. Look at verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more you? Notice the word clothe in italic, meaning it's not there in the text. It's supplied for the sake of clarity. And then comes this little tag. O ye of puny faith. Listen, 
Better to have puny faith than no faith at all. Little faith in thick ice is still a good thing. Great faith in thin ice is a stupid thing. And I feel appropriate saying that on a summer day because, after all, Dawn this morning played for the offertory, not the offertory, for the prelude, whiter than snow. So if she can play water than snow, then I can use my ice illustration. Thanks, Dawn. The last question, will God forget to take care of you if you live the way he says? Worry is forbidden in the life of a disciple because of God's paternal passion, because of God's paternal provision, because of God's paternal protection. Since God is not bound by the constraints of time, as you and I are, we are not to worry about tomorrow. We are to believe that every day has assigned to it in God's appointment for us his provision, his protection, and his control of our experience in trouble. He not only knows about the trouble of the day, he controls the trouble of the day. We face the issues of life in one of two ways, either with faith in God or worry. Jesus said, don't be of little faith, don't worry, but rather trust God. Jesus said, he knows your need and his ear is open unto your prayer. Our daily concern in life ought to be the things of God. We ought to be seeking the values associated with God's kingdom and his righteousness. Next week when we return to 33 and, and 34 at the end of the chapter, we'll cover the most familiar verse in the section about seeking the kingdom of God and, 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 and his righteousness. But this morning, I remind you that rather than living a life of worry and the pursuit of temporal stuff, we are to focus our attention and exercise our faith in the Lord. I want to call your attention to one word in verse 33, both to end for today and to set up next week. And that is the word first. But seek ye... First, Jesus didn't say stop seeking altogether other things. Jesus didn't say stop working, run around naked, and hope your neighbors throw out some good food in the trash. Jesus said our priority is seeking God and his righteousness. And then the other things that our Heavenly Father knows we have need of will be brought to us as we navigate the path of life. All other pursuits follow in their common sense order when we live trusting God and not worrying. And yet God has left it to my choice, and God has left it to your choice as to how you want to live. Trust him, 
or worry about it. Rest in him or be marked by a sense of anxiety. Again, I say, if today I was preaching about lying, some of you would really be under conviction. Today, if I was preaching against lusting, some of you would really be under conviction. But today, the Lord Jesus is talking to us all about worry. And I would just guess that this is a huge problem in our lives. I'm sad to tell you, still is in mine. You might be sad to tell me, still is in yours. Aren't you glad for a foundation, a logical, reasonable foundation, not to give yourself over to the things of this world and the pursuit of the world, but to give yourself over to the understanding and the wisdom of God and the worship of God? And the praise of God? Aren't you glad for the work of God in you? Bringing you here today for this. Father, we do thank you. And we do praise you. And it is our intention in this new month to make our praise, our worship, our emphasis, that which brings honor and glory and blessing to you. Our song of response for this month of worship, all for a thousand tongues to sing, Number 21 in your hymn book. Let's stand together as we sing it. Number